Are you suffering through a crisis right now? Well, we don't mean to make light of it, but Pastor Ed Taylor says God is up to something great. Friends, I want you to know that God uses crisis in your life. I want you to know that he's asking for a deeper depth of faith and relationship with you. I know that you don't like it. And you know God doesn't judge you or condemn you for that. And I know you'd rather not experience it. And God doesn't judge or condemn you for that. But I would ask you to pray to embrace it. Because you don't know the end, but God does. And God's end is good. This is amazing grace. Maybe you can look back on your life and an experience that you went through that was really difficult. At the time, you couldn't see beyond the pain, but now you see much clearer and notice that God accomplished something great through it all. That's a common experience for the believer, and today on Abounding Grace, we'll see the crisis is God's tool to accomplish something great. He'll receive more of you, and you'll receive more of Him. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to illustrate that through the life of Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 2. How can, I, how can we not remember our friend Paul as we studied many, 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 many weeks going through First and Second Corinthians? And we think at the end of Corinthians when he's crying out to God about the thorn in his side and the difficulties and he's crying out, please take this away, please remove this. And the answer from heaven was, no, 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 I'm not going to remove it. My grace is sufficient. I want you to understand something, Paul. The thorn is revealing my grace. And without the thorn, you wouldn't understand the sufficiency of my grace. And so, no, Paul, I'm not going to remove the thorn, but I'll tell you what I will do. I'll give you more of myself. That's where Hannah is, this godly, loving woman, a woman of worship and integrity, a woman of loyalty and dedication. She's made a decision to give her child to the work of the ministry, not sending him to college so he'll come back. Not allowing him to go and serve and then come back and sleep in her home. She is going to entrust Sam. She trusts God so much that she's going to entrust Samuel to Eli, even though she knows Eli isn't the strongest of leaders. Why? Because through the crisis, God built her faith and she recognized that even through the imperfections of man and the weakness of man, she trusts God more than that because God answered her prayer and gave her a kid. And if God would answer her prayer miraculously, she's going to trust God even over the weakness and failure of man. Think about the depth of faith. Think about the depth of faith in Mary as she, as she saw her own son Jesus die on the cross for your sins and mine. Think of the wonderful, beautiful girl Mary that was given a child 
child conceived in her without sexual relations because the Holy Spirit came upon her and the depth of faith that grew all the way to her at the cross watching her son die. Crisis. Friends, I want you to know that God uses crisis in your life. I want you to know that he's asking for a deeper depth of faith and relationship with you. I know that you don't like it. And you know God doesn't judge you or condemn you for that. And I know you'd rather not experience it. And God doesn't judge or condemn you for that. But I would ask you to pray to embrace it. Because you don't know the end, but God does. And God's end is good. And so therefore we can see these times of crisis. You can look back on your own life, I'm sure. And say, you know what? I went through something a couple years ago. Man, it was hard back then, but I can see now what God was doing. My life is stronger now. I'm different. I'm different. I'm not the same person. I mean, I really loved God back then, but I'm different. I'm different. It's just changed me. God has done something different. I I had heard with my ear, but now I've experienced with my life. That's different. I know by experience. I just don't know by testimony. I know by experience the faithfulness of God, the work of God in my life. There, are the, there aren't a lot of these super heavy-duty crises in our lives, but there are some. Marriages do dissolve. They do go through great strain. Money does run out. Jobs do end. Adultery does happen. Jail does come. Addiction grabs hold. Houses burn down. People we love die. These things do happen in our lives, and, but God is using them. We may not even see how God's using them until years later or even into eternity. But God is saying, I want you, and I want all of you, and I want more of you. And God is going to use the crisis in your life to draw you to himself. Not only will he receive more of you, but you will then receive more of him in intimate relationship. There are two things that help relationships grow. You see, you're not involved. If you've been born again, you are not involved in religion. You might refer to it as religion, and, and you can use that as a generic term. You go, you know, that my religion, I'm Christianity. There might be a question on an on a application or something. What's your religion, Christianity? But it would do, you'd be fine if you just crossed out a religion and put relationship with Jesus. And relationships grow only with two, two ingredients. They, they, these are the two ingredients that help relationships grow. Time and testing. Think about, think about some of the deep, close relationships you have. I would think that in those close relationships, it's, they've happened over time, and you guys have been through the fire together a few times. Maybe even against one another. I, I think of marriages that have gone through great crisis, how strong they are now. <laughs> Is God has done a work. You, know, like, you look back, you go, whoa, I, I was just telling Marie, just, you know, a year, uh, you know, probably a year and a half ago, we were just saying, you know, man, I just looked at her and I go, man, babe, uh, we have really been through a lot together. We're a lot closer than we were when we were just teenagers in high school. <laughs> we were just so much, God's just done a work in our marriage and it almost dissolved, man. It almost disappeared, man. It was almost done. You and I would almost never would have met if it wasn't for the Lord. And so even in my life with Jesus, I'm closer to him because of time and testing. Where he's allowed tests in my life. Do you like tests? I hate tests. Although 
God's made me where I was always pretty good just to study. I was one of those guys I could study the night before and ace the test. I know you don't like me, but that's the way it is. <laughs> but tests, you know, you get people, there's even conditions where people get, they're very, very smart, but they get nervous at tests and they flunk the test. I mean, they're super smart. They know all this stuff, but there's this test anxiety. I would just say as you, as you experience test anxiety, perhaps, with your relationship with Jesus, I want you to know there's an answer to that. The Bible says that, the Bible says that we're to be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, make our requests be made known to God. And God, he will give us comfort and peace. Through making our requests be made known to God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts. That's the place of emotion. And our minds, the place of action, will have a guard and protection through the trial as God is developing in us a deeper devotion. The time of waiting for Hannah, it's brought her not just for a desire for a, for a child. That was the desire. That's a good desire. But through the time and testing, that desire for a child turned into a desire for a child that will devote himself to the things of God. I want a child, God, but I want a child more for you than I do for myself. And there was great brokenness. That's where Hannah is. Barren, taunted, misunderstood, mishandled, lonely, forgotten, anguished, desperate, in crisis. God is getting more of her. Isn't it true something pops into our lives, a crisis, so quickly we cry out, not fair. Not fair. But friends, listen, whatever God says is fair. And whatever God does is fair. You see, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He's covered the injustice and the unfairness. He gave the just for the unjust. Our God. He gave the innocent for the guilty. You know, we think often that when God's working our lives, we get the picture of God working with a clean, sterile instrument. Because that's how it works in the... If you're going in for surgery, it's going to be absolutely clean and sterile. Everything's going to be in order. Everybody's going to be all protected. And, I mean, that, and, and we, we take that and go, well, if God's going to do surgery on me, and we use the phrase, right? Well, God's going to do spiritual surgery. We almost begin to associate, well, then it's going to be something clean, nice, even cut. It's very precision of the surgeon. And, and yet the Bible shows us that God will use everything to do a spiritual work in our lives. The Bible tells me that God will use Amalekites and Babylonians to do his work. The Bible tells me he'll use wind and storms. I mean, today, God allowed a storm to come in to get you to move somewhere. There's big, and, and did all your phones freak out today? Do you have that on there? Like, I can't even turn it off. And I was here today. It happened here yesterday. I wasn't here today. I was in my home office yesterday, but today I was here. And so I'm walking down the hallways. What am I supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? Where, where is it? I know where we're supposed to go. We're supposed to go downstairs, but are we supposed to go? What are we doing? What are we going to do with the kids and the school? And just the storm moved us. It got us asking questions. It got us going, what are we going to do to protect the kids? What are we going to do to make sure they're all safe? All the teachers, everyone's all in order. Everyone's going to the place where they need to be. And what was it? The threat of a storm, the wind that was dark. I mean, it was, it was really heavy-duty stuff today. 
I was getting texts. I got a text from our friend in Hawaii, Ben and Jen. Hawaii, are you guys all right? Are you still there? And I said, and I text them back, I don't know. I don't have my phone. It went off in the air. No, I'm just kidding, you know. It's like, we're cool. We're all right. But they see stuff on the, on the news. They're like, are you guys are still there? The storm moved my friend Ben, who is part of the fellowship here many years, good brother, moved Ben. He's all the way in Hawaii. He's safe and sound, probably hanging out on the beach, enjoying it. He's getting his, you know, whoa. So, you know, hey, there's something going on in Colorado. And what's going on? And it moved him. See, God, he uses all kinds of things to move us. Sudden and unexpected, quick and unwanted, deep and hurtful. And we're learning, aren't we? And we will learn that God is on the throne. And when he isn't allowed to rule, God will overrule. And he is the Lord of hosts. And his purposes and will for us will be accomplished. And that is where Hannah is. And it could be where you're at as well. And you're not alone. And while you don't know the end, God does. You could be turning through the dial right now on the radio and stumbled across a radio station with talk. And you were a little bit tired of music. And so you heard some talk. And you didn't know it was talk about the Bible. But you're just tired of music. And you wanted some talk. And here you are now focused in on this very time of talk because God is using this voice to speak to you comfort and to speak to you hope. Oh, it's not just in the room here today and it's not even in just in this moment because the Bible says that God's word will go out and it will not return void. It will accomplish the purposes for which it is sent. And whether it be Hannah or Daniel or Abraham or Moses or Paul or Peter or Mary or you or me, I know we don't know the end, but God does. And so let's get just a little bit more from Hannah's story here in verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Don't, don't think of this. this. This is the Bible written in human language. Why? Because the Bible's addressed to humans. That's all we have. That's all we can relate to. Don't see this as God forgetting. This is, don't you feel in times of crisis sometimes that you've forgotten? It's just speaking to a deep feeling. Hannah felt like her womb was forgotten. And so God has remembered her. It's language to say, you know what? God is there. He shows up. Hannah, you've not been forgotten. You've not been abandoned. You've not been left on your own. And because of the sexual relations with her husband, it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel. Because saying, because I've asked for him from the Lord. That's a glorious verse. God answered her prayer. God gave her the desire of her heart. She got a baby. She received the answer from the Lord. And the man Elkanah, verse 21, and all of his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I'll take him. Just give me some time. Just give me some time. Give me a little bit of time. That, that the time of weaning. Just give me some time. I, I'm going to stay back that he may be appear for the, uh, before the Lord and remain there forever. Whew. 
the very gift that God had given to her, she's going to give right back to him. But just give me some time. Give me some time with this baby. I want to enjoy him. And so Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. He's learned his lesson. He's got a little bit more sensitivity. He didn't say, hey, don't you want to spend some time with me? No, you want to spend some time with that gift of God. Do whatever you seems best. Only let the Lord establish his word. And then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. It's always such a glorious time, friends, when the assurance of God's word comes to our hearts. We just have that assurance. God's answer is Samuel. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 38, it says, Establish your word to your servant who's devoted to fearing you. See, God, you're, so, you're sovereign. You love me. You care. You hear. You answer. What a peace. And it was in this peace that God gave Hannah a son, Samuel, whose name means heard of God or appointed or asked of God. And in naming her baby, Hannah remembered. See, God remembered her, but God, Hannah remembered God. And in naming her son, who remembered that the delivery was an answer to prayer directly from God, and God received the glory for his faithfulness. And as Elkanah went to worship, she stayed back with the vow of God on her mind. Wouldn't you think, and we're not recorded for Hannah, but wouldn't you think there'd be a temptation to forget the vow? You know, I did say dedicate, but I didn't really mean, like, I meant to dedicate on the stage, God. That's what I meant. I didn't mean, you know, I, I know in anguish of heart, and, and that's it. You know, I want you to know something, friends. It's in the time of crisis is not your greatest danger, and not your great, it's not the time of crisis in your life that you're in your greatest danger. It is a place of vulnerability, but it's not your greatest danger. You're not most vulnerable when you're in a time of crisis. Your most vulnerable time is when things are going well and when things are going wonderful and when the marriage is doing well and when there's money in the bank and when there seems to be the blessing of God. That's when we begin to let our guards down and we begin to sit back and we're not desperate and we're not crying out and we don't care to grow in our relationship because, hey, after all, everything's going well. That, my friend, is a great place of vulnerability. And so even if you're in a place where God has answered your prayer, where he has given you the desires of your heart, give him the glory, name that, build an altar there, symbolically make it a place of worship that's why the bible says to be thankful every time you're thankful you are building an altar if you will where that's a place of worship that's a place of faithfulness be careful and of course in hannah that's not recorded for her she had the vow in her mind verse 24 when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Some suggest that Samuel's about three years old here. She's dropping off her three-year-old at the church to work with Pastor Ed forever and saying goodbye to him. That's what she's doing. She's just driving up and said, here's my boy. I believe God. I made a vow to God, and you're the man. I mean, that has never happened. But can you imagine? Here you go, Ed. Well, thanks. We'll put up a cot in here for him, and he can be the Howie caretaker. He's three. Bring him back out of diapers, would you? No. I mean, this is, this is amazing, this woman. What great faith. Where did it come from? great crisis they slaughtered the bull 
Verse 25, brought the child to Eli, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worship the Lord there. Although Eli had failed her in the past, she looks past his failures to fulfill her vow. God was able to give her a vision beyond the weakness of man to continue to serve him and fulfill her vow. She inspires me, this woman, Hannah. While I can't relate with her barrenness, I certainly desire to relate with her faith and her desire to please God. It's an interesting phrase there that she uses about lending her child to the Lord. In that phrase, we recognize both children belonging to God and we as parents having a responsibility to raise them. But they're really his. They belong to him. Are you having trouble with children? With grandchildren? Backsliding? Not walking with him anymore? I want you to come to Hannah and ask God for the kind of faith with Hannah where you just commit them to him. You commit them to him and you trust that God will do what is right and proper with your child's life, with your grandchild's life, with even your other family members. You say, God, here they are. And for some of you, because you've grown up in the church, you did dedicate them on the church stage or an altar somewhere. You could even pull out the old VHS tape or the picture that they drew for you back then because there was no videotape. <laughs> I just drew a picture for you. Here you go. And you can look at that, and by faith, you go, you know, Lord, we dedicated this child when they were a baby, and they're still dedicated today, and we claim by faith their walk with you, God. They belong to you. They're your kids. Bring them back, Lord. It could be your daily prayer. And so what she say? She says, as long as Samuel lives. This wasn't temporary. He's yours. He's yours, Lord. What a testimony. We're making our way through 1 Samuel on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Thanks for listening. Now, if you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And have you had a chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word. Download it for free today by searching for Ed Taylor. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. And maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads these comments. So let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, every year about this time, people make their New Year's resolutions. And in a month or two, they're often back to their old habits. How can Erwin Lutzer's book, How to Break a Stubborn Habit, help? Well, you know, Larry, we love to pick a book in January that will get everyone's eyes on the Lord in a time of resolutions and recommitments and all of that, which are amazing. I'm so glad you guys are doing that. We want to give you a practical tool on how to follow through. And our pick this month is a familiar pick. We've done it before. It's How to Break a Stubborn Habit by Erwin Lutzer. He does such a great job of helping us understand the principles 
of what are necessary in not only breaking a stubborn habit, but creating new habits. And so you learn about the three essential ground rules you need to accept so that you can experience true change. You're going to learn about secret the secrets to dismissing tempting thoughts rather than rehearsing them in your mind constantly, especially you guys that are living in your mind, how you know you can just beat yourself up over and over and over again. You're going to learn how to live beyond it. And then, of course, he shares the roles of God, Satan, and your loved ones in your success and failure, you know, the whole reality of spiritual warfare. But please do get a copy, whether you support the ministry or not. The reason why we have these picks of the month is to remind you there are good resources that will help you grow in grace, which is what's necessary in these last days. And we'll continue to recommend them. If we would, please continue to support our ministry through prayer and finances. And let's see what God wants to do in this coming year. We'll send you How to Break a Stubborn Habit when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And it's your generosity that allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to this station and others like it every day. We can't thank you enough for that. Please call us right now so we can drop this in the mail right away. The number is 877-30-GRACE. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Samuel. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.